Welcome to The Social Exchange. This is Zach Rhodes. As I was sitting at my desk at work only about a week ago, I started getting messages from people asking if I thought the rumors were true. And I said, what rumors? And then I was sent a link to what appeared to be, I mean, it was like something that looked like an article that was listing an order from the White House that in 48 hours, the whole country would be on lockdown. So hurry up, run to the store, grab all essential items while you can. And my first thought about this was, this is definitely a joke being played on Americans, making fun of us for buying up all the hand sanitizer and toilet paper. So I told my friends and my colleagues who were texting me and some of them calling me, even though they knew I was at work, I told them to relax, that this was a hoax. And I was right, there was no such announcement made, but... I can understand why people could believe it, right? It's not too far-fetched. Some cities and counties in the U.S. have already been on shelter-in-place orders recently, and the same with several entire countries across the globe. Just about all of Europe. Uh, Then there's South Korea, China, Israel. They're all in the middle of a nationwide quarantine. So even though that uh, this article or whatever the hell it was that was saying that we were going to be on a nationwide lockdown. That was obviously false. Really, the idea about a nationwide quarantine suddenly, at this moment, doesn't seem so far-fetched, does it? Like, it doesn't seem that far out in the future. It's something that we could not be completely surprised about if it happened. And that seems scary, doesn't it? People have told me that when they picture a statewide or a nationwide lockdown, they can imagine military officers marching back and forth outside their door, ready to strike if a person dares step foot on their doorstep. A national lockdown does sound a little bit dystopian, doesn't it? It's hard to think about what that would even mean. It's just not something that we've experienced before. It's unprecedented. What would that look like? Well, since, as I've mentioned, there are several other countries around the world whose citizens are on a forced quarantine as we speak, I wanted to find out how people around the world were responding. So in the next few days, you're going to hear conversations between me and citizens of various countries that were kind and willing enough to share their experiences with me. Uh, People who are now on government-imposed lockdowns as a strategy to limit the spread of coronavirus or COVID-19. Today, I spoke with a lady named Amy Avithal. Amy is from Israel. And recently, Benjamin Netanyahu imposed a nationwide lockdown that was to be carried out by both law enforcement and the military. I figured this had to be scary. This is sort of like that dystopian picture I was talking about. But when I asked Amy, well, how are you feeling about this transition? She was, to my surprise, excited that the military took over. She felt safe. And you might try to pigeonhole her here, right? Like, oh, she must be a right-leaning nationalist. No, not at all. Actually, She's a total lefty. I think she even described herself as a bohemian. So I wanted to help just understand, is her feeling safe just like an idiosyncratic personality trait of hers, or was there something about Israel and people's attitudes toward the military and leadership that was just vastly different than our attitudes toward the military involvement in the U.S.? And I want to help people understand that even if we had to be in quarantine, uh, it doesn't sound like we're going to, but if we did, it doesn't mean that we're being chained to your house, you know what I mean? One can only imagine that we would still have basic freedom. So Amy talks about all of this and more. This is the first of a multi-part segment of the Social Exchange podcast that we're calling CoronaCast. 
So this is number one. And without further ado, let's head to Israel and speak with Amy Avital. So Amy, you're from Israel, and we were just speaking earlier today about being on lockdown in Israel, and moments after we spoke, you received a new set of guidelines from Netanyahu. It's kind of important for me to like explain how it all happened. For me, about a month ago, I spoke to some people. I had a friend of mine who kept kind of writing these very scary things on Facebook and saying, watch out, everyone. And I finally wrote to him privately and said, "What? what's going on? Why are you being so kind of scary and, and gloomy? It's in China. And he told me that he had some information from his daughter who works for some government agency that it's going to get much worse and it's going to spread and 70% of the world is going to be affected. And I kind of laughed and I, but somewhere in my head, I just, every, something, if, every time I went to the supermarket, instead of buying one box of something, I bought two. And then I went to the pharmacy and I bought some rubbing alcohol, kind of like over the month. I kind of just started feeling something's going on. And then, of course, it started to spread and it spread to the Asian, it spread to Japan. And, and we started hearing the news. And then, you know, people started buying stuff and shopping and going crazy. But I didn't really feel like I needed to go crazy. I just felt like I needed to add a little bit all the time to whatever I was shopping. Now, we're people who are, I'm a minimalist. I usually buy what I need for the that meal, cook it, eat it, and that's it. And the next day, do the same. So this, for me, was really out of character. And then I said to my husband, go down to, we have these amazing markets here in Israel where you can go and buy, like, you know, bulk beans and lentils and stuff. So I said, go buy some of that stuff. And he came. We started kind of... So this is what happened. And as you can see, <laughs> we were right in doing so. So yeah. we avoided this mass, like, craziness to store up food, to buy massive amounts of food. We bought enough for two weeks over a two-week period. Um Going to these stores to us was crazy. You know, you're just jammed in with people. That's the last place you want to be. And it just seemed to me that people were doing these panic shopping out of stress. I mean, this was stress. It was. It, it felt like they. This was something that they could control. They could control what they buy for their house. They can't control the virus. They can't control the government. They, we cannot control. You know, we we're in a state of war all the time. Mm. Um, Israelis are tough, resilient, but they they we're used we're, we're used to this. So I was surprised. At, at what I was seeing around. So your story is going to resonate with people. This is where I stopped you earlier, too, just to say this. It's going to resonate with people across the West. I mean, I've spoken to so many people who have gone through that same mental process as you, where at first they think, well, you know, I have a weird conspiracy theorist friend. And then they think, well, I have another weird conspiracy theorist friend, I guess, except that he's a doctor and usually he can be trusted. So I wonder what the panic's all about. And then if anyone's like me and you, then they, they started... You know, they figured, why not have something extra on hand just in case? And then we started seeing, right. as you say, things depleting from the shelves. And they actually weren't essential items. 
I don't know about in Israel, but here, you know, they weren't essential items. They were comfort items. And so, like you say, people feel like, all right, it could be that my ability to control my own comfort will soon be lost. And so in a state of panic, let me grab all the toilet paper, hand sanitizer, things that ease my mind and make us comfortable in our homes. But you, Israel has taken a slightly different trajectory now. Yes. I would say that toilet paper was not the number one thing on my mind. (laughs) And I, and I don't, I didn't think that water was an issue. We're going to have running water. We're going to have, you know, toilet paper. If you don't have toilet paper, you've got running water. It just didn't seem like the thing that was going to make or break. Right. I just knew, I just wanted to have enough food so that we didn't have to go out it wasn't that I thought it was going to disappear. I just didn't want to have to go out of the house as as much as I usually do. I'm in the market every single day. Uh, I go to small markets. I go to a butcher shop. I go to a, a, a green grocer's. I go to, you know, I don't go to supermarkets. So I just thought I'm, I'm out and about all day and I'm just going to buy enough so that I don't have to go out every single day. So that was that's how it all started. Sooner than later, we are here in Israel. They started suggesting that people, uh, if they can, uh, don't go on public transportation, uh, don't go to restaurants, bars, uh, gyms, uh, sports classes. These were suggestions. Nobody listened. Uh, School, then the universities let out. All these, you know, lovely young people were at the beach, mm. in the parks, hanging out at the restaurant. You know, Tel Aviv has, has, is a city that never stops. We're for cafes and restaurants. It's a great, you know, Israel has a great food culture. And, and people were taking advantage of it. The weather was warm. And then, boom, restaurants closed down gyms closed down everything started to close down we could still go to the beach we could still go to the parks there were families out in the playgrounds touching all the jungle gyms and and it was i just couldn't believe it i mean we were literally not going anywhere take a walk maybe and i would see all these people together eating together sitting together having picnics didn't make any sense to me um then the suggestion then they close the restaurants and all the um you know entertainment no theater no movies of course and then we had to stop um going out of the house suggested these were suggestions recommendations um you can't go out in groups only nuclear families can go out together if they have to walk the dog they can't have meetings between two families if you were going to do sports in the park you had to you know no more than group we couldn't have a meeting that's more than 10 people now it's five and just about i don't know 10 minutes ago we got the word that these suggestions are now law that the military and the police force are going to enforce these now laws. We can only go out if it's to get food, to go pick up medication, to go to a doctor. That's it. A few hours ago, when I spoke with you, it, you were also on a lockdown, and it was being 
enforced, but not, are you saying just not at the scale and not with the intensity that it is said to be enforced now? Well, I think that when I spoke to you earlier today, Mm -hmm. it was the only, the only, um, the police interaction was for people who were breaking quarantine. I see. If people were supposed to be in isolation and they, they left the isolation, they could be, you know, they they would could be later they they there might have been a seven seven year jail sentence there were fines what i didn't understand until just now is that there was no police regulations here now it is a crime to go out you can you can have the police can come and say get back to your house or we're going to arrest you we're going to fine you i'm not exactly sure yet it all just happened about 10 minutes ago now what what I want to say is I'm happy about it. I think it's the best thing to do. I think it's the right thing to do. I think the Israelis, we are, uh, I'm, a, I'm an American, New York, New York Israeli. Every single person in this country has to serve in the military. Everyone. So this is a country that learns from 18 years old how to take orders what to do in an emergency, and there is a very great sense of solidarity here. I would say far and few between will not listen to these new orders. There will be no heroes. There will be no – nobody's worried about – we talked about – what did we talk about? A a dystopian element. Yeah, people. So people right, have this idea that if there was going to be a lockdown in the U.S. and it was military imposed or police imposed, then that, at least to the thoughts of Americans who are used to such laissez-faire everything, people have really told me, truly, really wise, otherwise intelligent people have said, "Well, I'm just worried that it's going to be, you know, an official standing near me while I'm getting dressed in the morning and I won't be able to leave my house and." You know, I won't be able to go get food, and they're, they're going to be patrolling everywhere, and I'm not going to have an inch to breathe. You're saying that, this is not uh, nowhere near a concern, and it's almost crazy to think about it that way. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's this kind of old-fashioned project, the homestead. What are we in the Wild West? No, we don't have to protect our ranch, our cattle, our, <laughs> our, our property. We just have to stay home. We can, you can actually get food delivered here. Deliveries are going to be working. Um, restaurants can deliver um, to homes. It, you're not going to be out of food. It's this is they're doing this for your health, for your for our health. They're not doing it to, to to take control of our lives, but because people are not doing it on their own, the government and the military and the police force have to get involved. They have to. You mentioned that in Israel, and now you have a dual perspective, that because you know what it's like in the U.S., and you mentioned in Israel, there's something almost maybe calm. It's like it's your brother's sister's children who are in the military. You're, the military there is part, you know, warp and woof of the culture. In the U.S., I think we have a different yeah. idea about it. Do you think there will would be differences if there were military-imposed actions here in the States? Oh, that's a very good question. I know that here in, in Israel, 
when we see soldiers on the street, even if they're not our kids, you know, my both my children served in the military. My son was a, a sergeant in a, in a combat unit during the war in 2014. Uh, we are... We, we see soldiers on the street and we, we love them. I mean, they are all our children. They are all our grandchildren. We know children. We call them children. They're children. They go in at 18, all mm. of them, every man, every male, and every female. So we respect them. They are our heroes, honestly. So we, we don't fear them. We respect them. They are very human to us. Now, I don't know in America if you see some guy dressed in camouflage with a, with a helmet on walking down the street. That might look much scarier mm. because you don't because not everybody has an experience with the military. I've been on military bases. I've seen my son get his medals. I've seen I've seen it all. I've I've been to a funeral of of his friend from school who was killed in 2014. Mm. We've, we've seen everything. Uh, for us, Memorial Day, Memorial Day, which in America people shop and go out, Memorial Day in Israel in April, it is the saddest day of the year. Nobody does anything except um, mourn. The whole country. Um, nobody here has guns. There's no guns here in Israel. Only qualified people have guns. It's very stringent. It's very hard for me to imagine military on the streets of New York, where I'm from, in Brooklyn Heights, where my sister lives. It's not so strange for me to imagine soldiers around my neighborhood here because there's always soldiers around. It sounds like, just from what you're saying, that Israel has the type of culture already. It's just this sense of togetherness, camaraderie that's embedded in your culture that serves as sort of a bulwark against these problems that we have in the U.S. Like, well, if I have to quarantine, it's every man for himself. There is no sense of culture. Um, it's an interesting distinction oh. between the two countries. Yes, definitely. The, this... This country, I mean, that's what Zionism is. It's it's a coming together of people of all uh, kinds of, you know, um, from all countries from all over the world, just like America. But we have people from all over the world who come together to build this country, who come to be in the country. Um, there's a lot of problems here. I'm not saying we don't have our political issues and we're on our third elections and we can't form a government. But when push comes to shove, there is solidarity here that makes you feel safe. I felt I feel safer here during a war than I would in America with all the mass shootings. Hmm. I feel safe here. I feel safe. And I know that that somebody's got my back. And I just, I heard my husband calling uh, our neighbor downstairs. We have a neighbor downstairs. She's probably in her 80s. She was a Holocaust survivor. Her family, she lives alone. Her husband died. And he called her up to ask her if she needed us to bring anything over to her. Everybody is helping everybody out. And I think when you start offering to help people, you feel better. 
and it's not, it's scary. It's really scary. <laughs> and it's and I'm sh- but I I speak to my sister in New York, and I tell her what's going on here, and she goes, "Why don't they just do that here? Mm. Why?" I think smart people understand that this is something for us. I think the people who are, I'm not saying not smart, but people who who feel threatened for some reason. Why why do people feel threatened by having to, to take care of themselves? Why? Do you have any answer to that? Like you said, this just broke our routine and gave us so much uncertainty in every dimension of life that I think that's why we feel worried here in the U.S. We're trying to balance two opposing motivations. One is the motivation to be completely free to do what we want, but that's tied into having to work together and and fight against something that's affecting all of us at once. You can't really have those things together the way that Americans seem to want them. No, you can't. Not in a crisis mode. I mean, I don't know what's going on in the government. I've heard some pretty crazy things. I think also the fact that the country is gigantic and, you know, different states are governing in different ways. I mean, some states are forbidding this and some states are doing this and some states are testing and some states aren't. I don't know how it works, but here, you know, we have as many people in this whole country as as there are in New York City. I, I think that, that there's something going on that I can't, I, can't, I don't really understand why, why America is lagging behind, why Trump told everyone to come home from Europe because he was closing the borders, and then they're squished together in these lines in the airports waiting for testing. <laughs> yeah. and, and somebody who wasn't sick is now getting sick because because he's got to wait to get his fever, his temperature taken in Kennedy Airport or O'Hare, I thought was, I heard was really bad. Here, my daughter is here. I flew her in from New York. She arrived on Monday afternoon. She went into a isolation in her room in our house. We didn't even see her. We opened the door. We went out to the balcony. She went in, went into her room. We covered plastic over the entrance to the door, and we haven't seen her in five days. We've been talking to her on the phone, just like we did in New York. We put food by the door. She opens the door when we're gone and pulls it in. That's what we have to do. And people in New York said, what, she doesn't come out at all? And I said, she doesn't come to the kitchen? I said, no. She doesn't come out, and when we give her food, we put on gloves, we put on masks, because even the air that's coming out when she opens the door could have the virus, and she's got a cough, and we just found out that somebody in New York that she goes to a university with was tested positive. So now my husband and I, not only are we protecting ourselves, but we're also not going out because we don't know if... That one minute we opened the door, something happened. We don't know. So now we're just self-isolating as well, not going out at all. Okay, we talked about uh, enforcement, and we talked about strategies to make sure that people are staying healthy and staying quarantined and away from others and not spreading the virus. Has this affected you or your neighbors or people that you know economically? And is there a sense of uncertainty, fear around job loss and and things like that? Yes, it is. 
it's been awful. I, I, everybody I know has financial worries. Everyone, I'm in a group of uh, Israeli entrepreneurial women. We all have our own businesses. We're all, it's terrifying. I can't, I, I have a business where I pack and move people's homes. Well, I, all the people that we're moving now, like in the next month or two, everyone just asked me to move them last week. So we did it. And then now I'm going to have no work for my, for my people. I'm going to, going to, I guess it's called fire them or let them go Mm. so that they can get unemployment at least during this time. People, there, there's lots of offers to give loans. I mean, all the Facebook pop-ups and all the messages you're getting on the text messages are about taking out loans and, and um, it's crazy. But yes, people are going to suffer. People are going to suffer just like everywhere else. People are going to stop working. Luckily, in this day and age, people can work remotely. Right. But you know, some people can. What about housekeepers and and gardeners and all people that work on nannies and teachers? What's going to happen with them? How are they going to pay their bills? People are worried. But mostly people here, at least, are just worried about people dying. How many people are going to die? The health minister... Ministry of Health said he thought thousands of people in Israel were going to die. For us, that's unfathomable. When a soldier dies, the whole country mourns. I mean, when when there's a murder in Israel, some kind of you know family thing, it becomes the most biggest story in Israel. The thought of thousands of Israeli dying is is it, for us is uncomfortable. We can't comprehend it. Mm. And then we had a. There's an Israeli guy. He's a. He won a Nobel Nobel Prize in physics. He's he he's a numbers guy. And he said it doesn't make sense. Thousands of Israelis aren't going to die. Ten Israelis might die. So who's to know? I'm just pretending that worst case scenario. I'm staying put. I'm staying where I am. I'm listening to the government, and I'm a very like left-wing person. I, I'm worried about what's going on with the Palestinians in Gaza. God forbid if this comes into their territory. I don't know what they will do. I mean, their conditions are awful. But right now, for me, Amy, when the going gets really tough, I find a lot of solace in listening to the leaders and I like I like it that they're tough. I want them to be tough. It's going to save us. That's how I feel. So all said, it sounds like things are unsettling and perhaps for different reasons in Israel. Maybe Israelis have a slightly different bent on just what they're afraid of. But at the end of the day, when I ask you, well, how does it feel now that it seems like there are new restrictions and they're police and military imposed? you said safe. And so I think that's, for some reason, that's relatively calming for me to hear you say, because maybe I wasn't the guy exaggerating the the panic, but, you know, I'm worried over here and I'm not sure what's going to happen here. 
to hear you say that you're on lockdown, it's being imposed, and you feel basically safe besides being sick. Yes. And it's a, it's a nice thing to hear. Yes, I feel like, you know, uh, like parents have to discipline their children. Why do parents discipline their children? To protect them. You can't stay out late. You can't cross the street alone. But why? Why can't I? I know how to cross the street. I know what I'm doing. No, you don't. You know, why do parents do that? They do it for their children's own good. They don't do it because they want to control them, because they want to be mean to them. You can't eat candy now. Why not? Because it's bad for you. You know, mm. it's it's for their own good. And if people would just see that whatever restrictions are being made in America, it's not to control you. It's not to take something from you. I think Americans uh, are afraid that they're having something taken away. Their, their freedom, their property, their... I don't know what it is. Nothing's being taken from you. You're going to have your house and your food and your toilet paper and your barbecue (laughs) and anything you need in your house. Nobody's going to come into your house. Just don't spread it around. Be smart. And if you can't be smart, then we're going to have to help you be smart (laughs) by imposing rules and regulations that if you break, you will be punished. I I just don't understand why that doesn't make sense to anybody. Gun sales in some places in America have gone up since this scare has happened. And at the same time, I I read that people who have gone to spring break in Florida are still on the beach by the thousands. And the Florida governor has decided not to close the beaches yet. So we have this such a, (gasps) a strange dichotomous way of thinking about this thing and it you're right it seems to all circle around freedom spring break college students want the freedom to have fun and live extemporaneously that way and people who are worried that something's going to be taken from them want the freedom to own their possessions not be told what to do because they are following the suggestions so we'll just have well, to see how it goes spring breakers are going to bring it home to their parents and that's where for example in italy uh, I was reading something that all the that that the young people in their you know teens twenties are carriers. They don't have any symptoms, and most of the death caused in Italy came from the older people in Italy and and in this area that has an older population. Right. I read right. uh, this was where they got the virus, and this was the lead reason why that Italy became such a hellish zone. So Florida is being irresponsible. Indeed. Amy, you were you were trying to lead us down an optimistic road and I just brought us back a few steps. Um I'd I'd love to close this out and give you any last words. It could be words of wisdom or talking about your experience or maybe even advice to Americans who are worried about uh imposed restrictions. Anything you want to leave us with? I would just say, pray that they impose restrictions in America, because that's your only chance to get out of this without death and the economy falling and all the other nightmarish things. Just pray that they impose restrictions. Those that are are restricting themselves, to save them, those who 
are pretending this doesn't exist need to be disciplined. This, um, we're not talking about jail. We're talking about just staying in your own house, <laughs> eating your own food, watching Wi-Fi and net, using Wi-Fi, having Netflix. Just go home. <laughs> That's it. And don't worry about anything except your family. And if you follow the instructions, then you will be safe and you'll also be saving other people. This is not a joke. Amy, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. It was great talking my with pleasure. you. My pleasure. I think my message got across. I think Solidarity so. between uh, people and and listen to the authorities and don't be afraid that they're trying to take something from you. They're trying to help you. Thank you again. And we'll stay in touch, I hope. Good luck and please stay safe and healthy. Be in touch. I I'd do. like to hear from you again. 